Greetings, good people. Welcome to Who Knows It's Just Life, the podcast. I'm your host, Kyle. Thank you for fitting me into your day today. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the inequity in sports, primarily focused on basketball. And this is a topic I've been thinking about for a while. Uh, in fact, the, the origin of it really started last summer. And I've been thinking about it since then, and I've attended some men's and women's basketball games in in this season, and I was kind of thinking about this episode leading up to and really through the NCAA tournament that just ended. And, of course, the women's final ended in dramatic fashion. Not only was the game fantastic, but also just the the play between Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese – and the, I mean, the coaches, I mean, the, everything was, was just on, on a, on a high, high level. But then of course you got the, the, uh, trash talk between Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark and then Joe Biden's comments and her, her invitation and whatever, whatever. So it blew up kind of around the country anyway. So <laughs> it's something I probably would have talked about just because of how the final ended anyway, but really this episode was in the works long before that. And so the first part of the episode is going to be kind of around my initial thinking around sports equity or the lack thereof and the perceptions around sports and why women's sports are, are you know, at least women team sports are still lagging significantly behind uh, men's sports. So before I get into that, I will do some updates. It's been a while since I've done that. This week was a pretty heavy week in terms of uh, national news and international news, as well as personal news for me to be honest. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But the, I guess the big news this week was that Trump was indicted on charges around, you know, a payoff that were that was involved in the 2016 campaign. And I saw the headlines, you know, the, the week before, I think his, his official indictment was on uh, Tuesday. And, you know, everybody was celebrating that he's going to get locked up and whatever. And that's all fine and good. It's really the first of probably a slew of charges that may well be brought upon him. Um, I didn't follow the actual indictment itself on Tuesday. That kind of came and went. I completely forgot about it. Um, But that happened. That's news. Um, Another big piece of news, more on the international scale, is that the Russian government is working with China directly, going to be using the the yuan going forward for international trade, uh, which is kind of a big thing for both countries, really. I mean, Russia has been struggling to you know, foster international trade with all the sanctions from the Western countries. And China obviously is always trying to become a bigger player in the world market. And its currency has long been linked to speculation and unfair play and manipulation from its own government. So the idea that Russia and China are are joining forces with the with the yuan is, is kind of a big deal. Um, I don't know that it'll have it a big impact right now. But the U.S. dollar has been getting weaker and weaker over the years. I mean, the euro had a took a big hit on the U.S. dollar, and just overall, like I think that's a pretty interesting play. I don't obviously the conflict between Russia and Ukraine is is a big one, but I don't think global conflicts are gonna be. Well, at least I don't think they're gonna be as militaristic as they've been, you know, the past century. I think economics are really gonna be the way, folks handle conflicts and, you know, take over power. Um, so that I think that's a big move that, like I said, it might not have implications yet, but we'll see. And then on a personal note, I learned that my registration was suspended. And I'm bringing this up only because it's another example of how simple, benign vehicular issues can become financial burdens. It's just a reminder how predatory the vehicular paperwork industry as I, I don't know if anybody calls it that or anything else but the vehicular paperwork industry is so predatory on people it's ridiculous so my my situation was basically I had a I had a tail I'm sorry I had a headlight out and an officer instructed me to to get it fixed I had a repair order T- took care of the repair order but I didn't officially go through the process of you know, getting the barracks to or getting somebody to officially a, a document that it was that was fixed. And my registration was suspended. And I was driving a few a couple of e- evenings ago and I was pulled over, not for speeding, not for doing anything like driving wise that was like unsafe or against the law or anything like that. As we all know, 
cops have those devices on the vehicles that just scan registrations as they're behind people. And he pulled me over only because my registration was suspended. And I didn't realize that I didn't go through the full process. I was like, well, you can see my headlights fixed. You know, like I like I didn't ignore the order. I repaired the vehicle. And technically, he could have taken my tags and impounded the car. And thankfully, he just gave me a ticket. And he was like, just take care of that tomorrow. And I did. But I mean, that ticket is not cheap. And the fact that that is a situation that could cause that much disruption to somebody's life, not only the financialist impact of that ticket, which wasn't a small ticket, um, but also just the idea that in, in, in like some, uh, certain officers and certain you know civilians might have had a different exchange and they, they might have got their car, that car impounded. Um, and you know I, I, I thought of Philando Castile who, lost his life in behind the, behind the wheel of a car. And he was a victim of the vehicular paperwork industry. That, I mean, I can't remember. I, I think I heard a podcast. I think it was Code Switch that documented how many cases he had against him just in terms of, like, registrations and tickets and just, like, like if we're talking about real-life stuff, those that's stupid, like, simple stuff. Like, nobody's life should be significantly hindered by tickets and whatnot. And I get that they're like, okay, you should pay your tickets, but, like, not everybody got the money, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's a whole bunch of reasons. But the, the fact that somebody's livelihood in terms of their vehicle could be could be taken away because of some tickets, it just sounds dumb. Like, like to significantly impact somebody's life to that degree um, for, pa- for paperwork, vehicular paperwork is just nonsensical. And so it was kind of a reminder um, about how jacked up that part of our society is, and I know that can be that can vary greatly from state to state, jurisdiction to jurisdiction. But that came across for me personally uh, recently, so I just wanted to mention that as well. That that might be something worth diving into on another episode later. On to the topic of today. I originally wanted to talk about this because my buddy Tony Aldridge, who was on the uh, masculinity episode last year. Um, he and I have always been, we have always had good, talk, good conversations about, you know, all kinds of issues, as you could tell from, from that episode. Um, he mentioned over the summer that Bill Burr had a stand-up about the WNBA and, um, and actually we'll start it off basically about how women's team sports don't make as much money and therefore the players don't make as much as men in, in their respective sports. Um, and I think the initial impetus for that was, I think, a woman soccer player who said something. I can't remember who who it was that did that at the time. But anyway, he was responding to that. And his point was basically that the women's sports don't draw an audience, you know? I mean, and that men's sports draw an audience and that that's why they don't get paid enough. Like, they should have a better product, blah, blah, blah. Um, he mentioned that. And so let me back up. First of all, Bill Burr is definitely a comedian which means he has a license to say offensive stuff for the purposes of being funny. Um, And so what he's saying has to come with that grain of salt. And I've sat on here and talked about Chappelle before. Uh, You know, comedians have a a very difficult job. They have a very important job, honestly, as well in society to to give us a reflection of ourselves. However... (laughs) And Bill Burr, like he'll in his own standups, he'll say like in his own sets, he'll say he's an asshole. So like he like he's in he's in character when he's delivering these messages and what I'm about to share. And part of its show, part of its entertainment. But I can't help but get the feeling that he means it in a, in a sense that's like more than just the joke and just the way the audience responded it felt like it was having a harmful reaction, harmful implication on the idea of women's sports. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. And that also changed some of my behavior coming into this basketball season. I see. I also actually, even before that, I, I bought the WNBA season ticket. Like if anybody follows a major sports league, one of the big things is they, they um, only show your, your local home team, you know, throughout the season and in the playoffs and for like special games that are nationally broadcast, you can see those, but you have to buy a ticket. So say you live in Chicago, but you know, you want to still watch the wizards every day or every time they play, you'd have to buy the NBA ticket or whatever to like, you know, watch your home team, even if you're in another area. So, um, buying that in any major sports team is probably like a hundred dollars or whatever, something like that amount. 
the WNBA, it was like 20 bucks, $25. And I was like, I need to just buy this annually, whether or not going to, whether I'm going to watch every, every game or not. Like I need to just buy this. Cause that is not that much money. And it needs, I need like, if I feel like that's something that we could do to just support the league. Um, and I can watch, like, I'm, I don't really have as much of a reason to follow the other teams as much. I, I tend to be a homer for the most part. So I will watch the mystics, um, here in the DC area. But yeah, I have had that season pass for the last two years since 2021. After Tony and I had the conversation off this Bill Burr thing, I decided to like invest more and pay pay more attention to the women's women's game. But anyway, one of the things that Bill Burr mentioned was that, like, just no. He he basically was like, "Why are women? Why are the female athletes complaining to men when?" According to him, he's like, women failed you. Like, well, I got men's sports to, to, to attend. Why, why do I got to come to your stuff, too? Like, women should be f- coming to your games and being excited just the way men's, men go to the men's games and are excited. And, you know, but no, women are watching the Kardashians and reality TV about whatever, and they'd rather see individual women tear each other apart rather than see a, a team of women compete in a sport. And... So that's where the that's where the advertising dollars go. That's where you know da 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 like those the you know the the folks doing this the the folks doing the reality TV shows are getting accolades, are getting money, blah blah blah. And meanwhile, our our women athletes are making pennies compared to the men in 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 the sporting arenas. And you know he's making these points the audience is laughing the audience has some is reacting like oh yeah like like he's like he's speaking some truth and in the sense that as a comedian sure you can make the joke and it and it, it, could, it could be could come off as funny only when you compare the two like oh like you'd rather watch the car like i think it's it's just so much deeper than that and and i want to just speak to how much deeper the issue is than just like the simple idea of choice and like, well, your product sucks because nobody's watching it. Nobody's going to the games. That's it's, it's, that's just not a fair cut. Like the WNBA has been around for 25 years. So he's like, Oh, it's been around for 25 whole years. The NBA has been around for three times as long. And it was just 50 years ago where title nine forced women's sports to be included in high school and college. So for the, I mean, let's, okay. So the NBA started in like the forties, fifties, but really started to gain in popularity in the sixties. So for like the 75 years that the NBA has been around, the entire time, basically as soon as basketball was invented, you had men playing basketball in high school and college. And the number of men or boys and men playing basketball increased as the, as the popularity of the league increased. But that preceded Title IX by pretty much 20, more, 20 years or more. So not only does the NBA have 50 years on the WNBA, it also has a preceding, what, 20, 30 years before that, when the game was invented, when men were more likely to play it and watch it and be just were just primed to embrace the NBA in the 50s and 60s when it started to become popular. So looking at the WNBA 25 years in, 50 years after Title IX, where there's already been so like a century or more of masculine male dominance and attention and just influence in the sporting arena men are the men are the leading consumers of the product but aren't necessarily the leaders in being athletes and i think that's evident in just how many women are just athletes and just any, whatever it is they do whether it's whether it's yoga whether it's dance whether it's um like just running or swimming or whatever, tennis. I don't know. There's a million ways to be an athlete that isn't basketball, right? Or isn't like a a, a team sport. And women are in the gym just as much as men are, if not more. Women are are just as active with just physical activities in general, right? But the idea that the sports mega industry looks the way it looks is because of the male dominance and the male consumerism that has just been placated by again for me it all comes back to patriarchy it it, patriarchy has you know put men on top put women below and you know instilled homophobia and all these other things and as a as a byproduct of that you've got this discrepancy in sports and so i think it's anyway i just think it's just it's it's blatantly unfair and 
and, and, it, and it takes, we need to have a historical lens. We need to have a historical context when we look at the WNBA and its successes. When Bill Burr says, well, women would rather watch this and not watch the WNBA. Yes, but that's also part of patriarchy. Like, like reality TV, the Kardashians, whatever, they're, they're, they're playing into the patriarchal and certain playing into certain patriarchal norms, certain patriarchal, whatever, whatever, that is more likely to be accepted in this system, in this worldview for people who have been, you know, conditioned in the way that the system has conditioned us. Um, And it's just, it's just unfair to to make that joke, honestly. Um, I, I also reference FIFA, FIFA, well, even before FIFA existed, the I think it was like the the English Football Association for for soccer in in England, and I think it was in 1921 they literally banned women from playing, and that eventually became the rule that FIFA adopted basically worldwide. So for 50 years, women were literally banned from playing football or soccer, world football, soccer in those countries. So women are going to be athletes the way they're going to be athletes, like I mentioned before, but it's not going to be through soccer. And it's not the female soccer players fault now that there's been generations of female athletes that just never played or watched football or soccer because it wasn't available to them. It's not their fault that, that it wasn't available. It's not their fault that there aren't a hundred year old histories of women football players, not their fault at all. It's FIFA's fault. And so I think that's, that also applies the, 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 in basketball and WNBA um, locally in the United States. After seeing that, you know, Bill Burr thing, I was like, st- like me as a, as a, as a, I guess I'm, I'm anti-patriarchal, trying to be, <laughs> um, trying to figure out what, what exactly that means day to day. But like, I, I, I see that patriarchy is a problem and I'm trying to figure out how to, how to oppose that, um, in real life, not only in, in, in mentality. And so, you know, I mentioned getting the WNBA season ticket thing just to kind of watch, be able to watch any game. Um, I also took the kiddo who, who's recently said he like in the last couple of years, he said he's interested in basketball, I, you know, took him to a WNBA game, took him to a mystics game. Actually, I think they ended up beating the, um, the, the aces who won, who ended up winning the championship. It was a really awesome game. They have the mystics in a, in a, in a smaller stadium, um, which, you know, again, they're not, they're not going to draw as big a crowd as the wizards, even though the wizards always suck, but, um, the mystics are a good team. They won the championship a few years ago. Um, but it is a smaller venue, but, but they pack the stadium. Like the, the joint was full and, you know, they play music and everybody gets riled up during, you know, the breaks in the quarters or whatever. And it, and it was, it was a great time. It was a lot of fun being there. And, you know, I think the, the, the other unfortunate thing is like, it's in the middle of the, um, the, the, the campus that used to be, a, um, a mental health facility in DC, like starting in like the 1800s of super creepy vibes there, like just on, on the campus itself. The, the stadium is beautiful. The, the every, everything there, like for, for the purposes of that facility are great, but the surrounding area is, is just kind of off. And I'm like, just like, I would love for them to revitalize this whole area. Um, and that doesn't mean gentrification in a sense, cause really there's, there's not a whole lot going on there anyway. Um, and I would love to see women owned businesses, you know, bars, whatever, like get, get, get there to be some surrounding culture around there, just like they would any other male sporting event, sporting complex, like nationals park. They got all this like condos and nightlife places all right around there. Now that was gentrification by the way. So that was problematic. Um, but anyway, here I would like them to, I would like to see them like beef up this area surrounding, surrounding the, uh, the mystics home stadium. So also later, you know, coming into the college football season, the NBA, I took, took the kid to see an NBA game, saw the Sixers come to DC and that was an awesome game. Uh, DC won that one too, which is great. Some of the kiddos friends came, uh, to, to check it out and it was, it was great. We actually, we had like the legacy tickets or something like that. It had a promotion where it was like 1250 a ticket. Um, we were up in the 400 section, so we couldn't really see as well. That's the other thing. NBA, the, the WNBA tickets are, are cheaper. Again, sadly, I'm gonna talk more about that in a second. Um, but the stadium is smaller and, but you, you just, you're closer to the action. You feel it's a more intimate connection with the, with the players. You just, you're just drawn into the action more. Whereas, at, you know, at the Verizon center, which is called something else now. Um, but, uh, but you know, 400 in the 400 foot, le- 400 level sections, like, you know, you can still see like the, the game is still entertaining to watch, but like, you know, it's, it's relatively far away. And with kids, you can understand if they get a little distracted here and there, it's like, I get it. So, yeah. So just comparing all those experiences, I mean, like, 
I, I just think the Mystics are a better draw for, especially for kids. Like I said, it's more more intimate, more more way to it's and it's cheaper for them to like get that intimacy. Whereas to go to an NBA game and get that same level of intimacy with the players, get get that close, um, it would cost probably like two or three hundred dollars for just me and a kiddo to go, just on tickets. Not even like if I was going to get snacks or whatever. Um, so then cutting into this into the first quarter of the year. Start a you know you know start, conference play starts to kick in with the with the uh, basketball teams and and I went to University of Maryland so I'm watching both the men's and the and the women's and my uncle's big into the sports too so we 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 just been watching it you know ramping up as, as the season kind of wore on and the men the men terps were playing pretty well like they they were decent they they started off ranked they sucked in December and they started to tur- turn it on coming into the t- into the end of the year and they eventually did get ranked and they they had a decent season but the women were just amazing all, pretty much all year and and we we saw them play ranked Ohio State at home and they killed them like i think it was like 90 something to 54 or whatever one thing i want to shout out about that game is that Francis Tiafo, who who's from College Park? He's you know he he made it to the semis in the U.S. Open for tennis and men's tennis. Um, he and his girlfriend, a couple of friends, like they were there, and I, I like they were on the on the court a little bit during uh, intermission, I think at halftime, and then we saw them. They were just sitting not far from us, and it was just dope to see a young black man who's like, you know, cracking into the top of his field um, with with his girl and with his friends, you know watching the the lady terps do their thing like i just i love seeing that by the way so shout outs to shout outs to big foe for um for, for supporting that it's, so so my uncle and i we saw that ohio state game and ohio state was ranked they got a good squad too um they're, they're a lot of fun they're gonna be good next year like so maryland crushed them and i was kind of a surprise like ohio state just didn't shoot harris got in foul trouble early it was it was just our day that day um but then we were just like yo we gotta take the kiddo because you know the, the band is there you can see the band he's kind of interested in drums so just showing him all that would be cool um, so yeah, we took them to see Iowa like pretty much the next week. I think it was they had another home game on an, on the Sunday after that. Um, sorry, against Illinois, and that was a lot of fun too. Like they they beat Illinois pretty handily, um, and, and it was just dope. But um, yeah, no, it was, it was just a lot of fun. And and so cut to the NCAA tournament. You know the Maryland men like they they were an eight seed. They I didn't think they're gonna win the first game. They did win the first game, lost the second. They had to play um, they had to play Alabama in the second round. So you know you, you knew they were gonna lose that one. Um, but the Lady Terps, like, and what I love about the women's game is that the, the Terps had their first two games at home, the same venue they have their normal games at during the regular season. So they, for their second round of the NCAA tournament, I was looking to get tickets. First of all, the tickets were very easy to get, problematic. Second of all, guess how much a ticket is to see the NCAA women's second round matchup? I'm going to pause. Think it in your head. How much? The actual cost of a second round NCAA women's basketball ticket was $18. $18. Now, we got reserved seats for the regular season game against Illinois, $20. I don't know how a regular season ticket is cheaper, I'm sorry, more expensive than an NCAA tournament ticket. That doesn't make any sense to me. That's that's something that just really bothered me. It was annoying to me. Now again, I'm taking advantage of that because I want to get my kid into it. Or sorry, my kid is already into it, and I'm just trying to you know show him, you know, high quality basketball at different stages, high school, I mean, you know, college, pros, whatever. So it's a great, relatively affordable option to do that. But from this equity concept that's in my head since that Bill Burr thing, it's like like. Why is this discrepancy the case? And and even with that discrepancy, the stadium is not anywhere near as packed as it would be for the men, of course. And it's just a shame. And and again, and the and the product is good. Like the women are ballers; they are playing. Like I don't know. There's something about the game that's just that's just so much fun to watch. Um, and I get and I get some some complaints is that like there's some parts about the game that women may not do as well like there might be more travels there might be more missed layups or something like that like where the men especially at that level like there's a lot less of that um and i i i'm a basketball i'm I'm a a second tier basketball fan i know the game i used to referee like i i used to play a little bit i was terrible at playing it but um i'm not like one of those like super huge basketball fans that like really knows every player and, and 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 studies it to that degree 
And so for them, maybe the product isn't as good as men playing it. And, and, that, and that's okay if that's true. But it's still an exciting, fun, well-played game. And, and it's just a blast. And Maryland's just great. They were a great, great team. Diamond Miller was fantastic. Um, Brene Alexander was, was awesome. Abby Myers transferred over her last year to play close to home. Like, it was just a beautiful team um, over, all, all, all the way around. And, oh, and the other thing I wanted to say about the NCAA tournament, I noticed it was interesting that – I think it was CBS had the bracket announcement show on the Sunday, like the the tournament selection, what do they call it? Selection Sunday, I think is what they call it. And they had an hour program where they display all the brackets, you know, West, North, Midwest, uh, East and South or whatever it is. I might've got the regions wrong, but uh, they announced all the, all the brackets for, and that took maybe like 20 minutes. And then they had another 40 minutes of the program, like an analyst, like talking about who, which, which matchups they liked and blah, 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 blah. And I think that was at 6 p.m. on Sunday. Then at 8 on ESPN, it's the women's bracket. Same thing. Same, same, same concept. They show the brackets. They show the team celebrating that they got in. And then they have analysts talking about it. And I was like, to me, that's problematic. Why not have Selection Sunday have both have a two-hour program show the east bracket for the men's east bracket for the women's midwest bracket for the men's midwest bracket for the women's west bracket for the men's west bracket for the for the women's south bracket men's women's put them together and total that would take 40 minutes you know or 40 you know maybe maybe the first hour is is just sharing out the brackets and put them both together and then have the analysts talk about them. You can do the men first if that's what everybody want to watch. Fine, do the men first, then do the women next. Whatever. But like the 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 idea of having two separate programs and having two separate networks covering it. Well, the network rights might be another thing. I'm not even whatever. I'm not even trying to talk about that. I'm just saying conceptually from an equity standpoint, why aren't they done in the same program? Because they're really like a, a basketball. Like in my in my opinion, <laughs> and again, I'm a I'm a secondary basketball fan. A basketball fan's a basketball fan. Like, I think it would be cool to hear the storylines coming into the tournament for both the men and the women. So that's just another opportunity that I saw that that in terms of the coverage of the sports, and and that's ESPN, that's you know, all these all these networks, that's a failure, in my opinion, on 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 the networks because and, and just the media, the way the media covers these things. Because they could have an opportunity to cover these things in a more equitable way, put them both together. Um, but they don't do that. So anyway, cut to the Elite Eight. I'm not going. <laughs> I'm I'm a, I'm definitely a Maryland fan. You got, you already know that, and I'm not going to get too heavy into it. But Maryland played South Carolina in the Elite Eight. I wasn't happy with how that game went. They lost, um, and it's not just I'm not, I'm not just unhappy because they lost. I'm unhappy because of how they lost. The foul calling was was very biased. Maryland had 26 personal fouls called against them. South Carolina had 12. I'm just sorry. That's just not a fair calling. That's not a fair shake from from a refereeing standpoint. Um, South Carolina had a historic season. Um, they were great last year as well, and so that was definitely a tough pill to swallow. But the storylines were were being written. What everybody's talked about, Caitlin Clark, what she's done this season, and and I I was aware of her because again, watching Maryland, watching Big Ten a little bit more often than anything else, you know, you you couldn't you couldn't help but know who Caitlin Clark was and and just and see how how, how much she was doing offensively, and just I mean, her, she was averaging like thirty points a game at least, if not more. Uh, Maryland did beat them by the way and held her to eighteen points that day, uh, so that was awesome. So I know she's beatable, and when everybody was, like, beefing her up going into the Final Four and, and the championship, I was like, yeah, but it's, she's beatable, though. I mean, like, Maryland beat her. So, you know, so I was a little bitter that Maryland didn't have any chance to, 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 to play her. But in, in, the, in, the, in the Final Four, you had undefeated South Carolina going against uh, Iowa and Caitlin Clark. And while I had respect for Caitlin Clark and her just – Uncan- like she's just a phenomenal baller. She is just a baller. That fast break pull up three from anywhere beyond the arc could be at the low at the you know center court logo still. Like she's just money, and she I I, I will never like take away the, the talent she has and the skill and the poise the the, the confidence he ha- she has in herself to to score and make a huge impact on the game. I however, her team is not as deep. Which which was clear in the final, um, and just the optics of it. I'm sorry. Like I'm kind of like 
Issa Rae, and I've been like this since before she said this, by the way, but Issa Rae was like, I root for everybody black. By the time it got to the final four, it's like, look, you got Caitlin Clark in this pretty much all white Iowa team. They, get, they do have um, Gabby Marshall and um, Hannah Skokie, I think, are black, but I think the rest of the team is white. Um, and then you got South Carolina, who's just like a fully black team, black female coach. I mean, and they're just ballers. They're they're chasing history, trying to be like Shamika Hosklaw and like some of the best, you know, women's basketball dynasties in college sports history. And when it got when it got to that point, I'm not one that you know roots for the the favorite, roots for the the undefeated team. Like I didn't want the Patriots to do that undefeated nonsense. I was happy they lost in the Super Bowl. I'm not the one that always goes for the for the team that's shooting for the for for the accolades like that. But I was for South Carolina. You know, they got, a, like I said, black female coach, whatever, whatever. Like, just I, I wanted that outcome. So for Caitlin Clark and Iowa to beat them, I had to respect it. Like, they they beat them. And I was like, you know, hey, it is what it is. Caitlin Clark did her little, you can't see me to Aaliyah Boston and the South Carolina team. And it's just like, okay, okay, I see you talking your shit. All right, fair enough, fine. And then, so, but, but then for that to come up again in the finals was, was just kind of poetic justice, honestly. Um and and so talking about LSU, <laughs> you got to love Angel Reese. I mean, I I was first put on to her um, like she she played at Maryland for a couple of years. And I knew I knew of her loosely at that time. But I wasn't following as much as, as I did come into this season. But I but I but she, she made headlines earlier in the season. If, if y'all remember, she blocked the shot with she was her shoe had fallen off. She was holding her shoe, I think, in her left hand. and She blocked the shot with her right hand. And it was just like a, it was just a phenomenal play. And she got teed up. She got a technical foul because she kind of like was siced about what she did and kind of stared down the girl that she, she blocked the shot of. And I think the girl, other girl, other, other woman had fallen down and she kind of like stared it down a little bit for like a second or two. And you know how sometimes that like a second too long, like it's just, she got teed up and I'm like, yo, that's bull, man. Like, <sighs> I was telling a friend about that, and, and they were like, "Yeah, she got teed up for being a woman," and it's and it's true. And I feel like after, I think it was after that she was she was upset because she was like, "If I was a man, like y'all would have been like, oh yeah, you would have been chest bumping and whatever, like it wouldn't have been a thing." But she got teed up for that, um, and I'm a, I'm gonna speak about that again in terms of the final as well. Um, so the fact that she got there, awesome. The fact that her team is is again mostly black, Louisiana, like. You know, Kim Mulkey's a character. I'm, I'm not, you know, she's all right. But, but the fact that the players kind of joined together and, 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 and took over and, and had the chemistry they had, definitely, I was definitely rooting for them in the final as well. So, yeah, the final itself was a great game. I mean, they, they had a stat up there that, that Caitlin Clark's average distance from three was like, I think almost like 26 feet away, which is way beyond the arc. Um, and just like, and she has vision too. There was one game where she like, she contributed to like, I don't know, 70 of their 90 points in the game um, through assists or points directly. Um, so again, her, she, she is her, 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 her skill and her ability to dominate a game cannot be overstated. But I will say that Angel Reese is maybe better just in the sense that she's more well-rounded. Um, I mean, she, she's a rebounder. She plays, she plays down low. Uh, I, I, she's blocked. She blocks, as I already mentioned, even without a shoe. Um, and so, but that team is so deep. So, so both teams got into foul trouble early, which was kind of whack. Um, and, and my mom, I was talking about this with my mom. She, she, she made the point that she's like, I, I we don't, we, I don't know the deep, the background of the, the officials at, at, in the finals game. I'm sure they ref women's basketball a lot, but my mom who played basketball in high school, you know, she felt like the referees were calling the game differently because they were women in the sense that like calling fouls that are like, you know, if, if it's a physical game, right. And, and I mean, in this day and age, it's a physical game, whether you're a man or a woman, doesn't matter. It's a physical game. And my mom kind of felt like they were calling the game as though like, Oh, you got to protect the women. Like, Oh, you can't, can't have two hard fouls. Like, or you can't, you know, so any little touch was called as a foul. And it's just like, have you been watching women's basketball for the last, like it's a physical game. These, these women can play. And there's some physicality to it. You don't have to call all these little fouls. And I think, you know, b- both teams had close to 20 fouls um, in the final, which which was a bit much. And the refs kind of inserted themselves into the into the outcome a little bit too much. Um, and I, I, I would agree with that. But this is how LSU won, though, because while 
stars were resting. Andrew Reese was out, I think, the entire second quarter, if I'm not mistaken. Jasmine Carson, sadly no relation, she was a beast. She went she got 21 points in the, set, in the first half, which basically is how LSU, you know, was able to have a stronghold on the game even without some of the stars playing. Um, so that they won off their depth and they won off their the well-roundedness of their players. So, you know, that was just a, a really phenomenal f- final. I'm glad that uh, it was as good a game as it was. I mean, they scored a 102, I think it was. The final score was like 102 to 80-something. Um, so it was just a, it's just a great final. And I, it was exciting. Um, I'm hoping people that don't normally watch basketball watched i'm hoping that men who tend to watch male basketball and don't tend to watch women basketball watch the final four and the finals um because they were great products so my friend shamia sent me an article so so okay now now circling back to the original point i was talking about or the original point that bill burr mentioned in his little stand-up about nobody coming to the games nobody nobody watching the games whatever whatever uh my friend shamia sent me an article leading up to the final four that said that the average price tag to see the the men's final four uh, was down like 91% compared to last year. And I think that's partly because of just the the teams that ended up making it. Um, I'm a fan of Will Bond and Tony Kornheiser, Michael Will Bond and Tony Kornheiser on on part of the interruption on on, uh, ESPN. They're, they're longtime DC uh, sports writers and stuff. They spent a lot of time here and here in DC doing sports and they've been on PTI for years now. Um, I'd, I'd like to check in on them. You know, Wilbon said that the process of the March Madness is the fun. Sometimes when you get to the Final Four, it's like, eh, okay, well, getting here was fun. I really don't care how it turns out now. <laughs> he kind of felt like that. And I think that's why the men's tickets uh, were just not as hot, as hot a commodity as they were the, fin- the year before. Um, conversely, the women's skyrocketed compared to last year. So I think the, the uh, average ticket for a women's game was higher than the average ticket for a men's game in the Final Four. So I think um, the Miami-UConn game was at like 234, whereas um, the women's average Final Four seat was like 331. So, um, yeah, so so the Bill Burr's big, you know, oh, nobody goes to the games, nobody wants to see you play. Yeah, well, that changed, at least for this Final Four in the Finals. So um, hopefully that's a sign of things to come in the future. I hope a lot of the buzz that happened around the – the final four and the finals for the women's side translates into additional interest in the WNBA. We got Brittany Griner back as well. So there's a lot of Candace Parker still playing. There's a, there's a lot of, uh, of big and Candace Parker joined the aces too, which is kind of like, you know, KD going to, going to the Warriors. Like, you know, this is, this is, a, this is a big move. There's like super teams in the, in the WNBA now, plus a very talented draft class coming in. So it should be an exciting WNBA season coming up. And I, first of all, I like that is that the WNBA ha- starts in May um, as the as the NBA is winding down. Or I mean, NBA is still in this playoffs, but like you know, those of us in DC ain't got nothing to watch. So so I hope we pull up to see the Mystics. I mean, the Mystics, like I said, are a, fi- a great team. Um, and uh, you know, we'll see where where Diamond Miller lands, our, our Maryland Terp. Um, see where she lands. But anyway, I hope that uh, these trends continue i hope that the women's game continues to get more popular i'm hoping that men and women both you know find themselves and entertained by this and whatnot i think it'll take time to gain regain a cultural stronghold for women in sports especially team sports i mean individual sports is a little different with like tennis and and golf a little bit you know uh, you know and and track and field Those, those sports i think are um, and, 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 you know, in the Olympics, we see like gymnastics, we see ice figure skating, stuff like that. I think we're, we're, we're somehow more, I don't know, accepting of, of individual women's sports for some reason. It's kind of a strange thing, but yeah, I hope that there's more fervor going into women's sports. Um, thanks to this, thanks to this finals. One thing I also want to mention, which was not the original point of this episode, was just the racial dynamics of the way the finals and final four panned out now i mentioned how i was kind of, i was definitely rooting for south carolina as a, as a more black team you know no disrespect to Kate, caitlin clark and her awesomeness but like yeah i'm rooting for the black team um i already mentioned that but the fallout of the finals though the fact that they were calling caitlin clark a competitor blah 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 and but when angel reese did her did the you know, you can't see me gesture and point into her ring to the Iowa team. Once it became clear that the LSU was going to pull this off, people were calling 
Miss Angel Reese classless. So on that topic, I want to cite an Instagram post by Ashley Fennell, who is a black womanist therapist and owner of Eclectic Evolution Counseling. I also got to give a shout out to Tony Aldridge's wife for um, putting me onto her Instagram page. Uh, Ashley's Instagram is at so sweet amore 9 That's S O S W E E T A M O R E 9 and that's Miss Ashley Fennell on Instagram. She had a post about this, and I and and she hit the nail on the head on a few of these issues. Um, one, she said that the "you can't see me" gesture is a black thing. Like that—that that is another one of those things that that we come up with these, whether it's a saying, a dance, a move, a gesture, shit talk, whatever it is, we come up with stuff, and then you know white people wind up using it. And you know that gesture that she's been using this season, which I'm, you know, by the way, it wasn't—I don't think it was the first time she she did it against South Carolina. Angel Reese had every right to talk that smack right back. Because first of all, it's a black thing that black folk made that in the first place. And who won the championship? LSU did. So Ashley definitely removed any doubt in anybody's mind, hopefully, that that gesture was appropriate. Anybody saying it was inappropriate has some ulterior motives, which he also spoke to. Um, The idea that. The idea that. Angel Reese is classless is one of those hidden racist terms that's used to downplay or dismiss, diminish black players. Classless is also in the line of, you know, um, uncoachable or um, undisciplined or they're they're a pure athlete. But do they have the intelligence to play or whatever? Things like that. There's a lot of different ways that they can code racism and how they talk about our, our athletes. Um, and the classless is one of them. So she obviously she clear, like so, so. So Ashley Fennell clearly called out that uh, in this post that uh, them calling injuries classless is racism. Nobody was calling Caitlin classless for doing the same motion against Aaliyah Boston and the South Carolina team. So let's call that what it is. And uh, she uh, last thing she said that I definitely want to cite is that she also mentioned that Clark was too boastful too soon. Obviously, beating South Carolina was a big deal, but that's the semifinals. You still got another game to play. And, you know, so again, Angel taking that back and putting it right back in uh, in Caitlin Clark's face and doing that. And hey, y'all won it. <laughs> you know, Angel, y'all got it. You know, am I blowing you left Maryland? Yes, but I'm happy for you, you know, represent. And, oh, and and the other thing, too, and I love the what Andrew said in the press conference. She was like, I, I don't, she's like, I don't care about you. Like, I, I did this for the girls like me, the girls who are from, like, areas where I'm from. You know, I, I mentioned that, you know, I always got a couple of black women on the team. They got Gabby Marshall and um, Hannah, Hannah Stokey, Skokie. But, um, like, I mean, Gabby's, Gabby's mixed, and I'm, I'm mixed too, so I'm not, I'm not trying to say being mixed doesn't make you black, but I'm just saying your, your lived experience is, is different when you, are, when you are as fair-complected as me, and Gabby Marshall's fairly light as well. Your lived experience is different. The world does see you differently um, than when you are a darker-skinned person, and Angel Reese is, is a dark-skinned person. She fully brings that and represents that everywhere she goes. She has no choice but to. And so for her to, to, to win it, to be able to reclaim the you can't see me gesture in front of Caitlin Clark like all of that was beautiful all of that was perfect and all of that was necessary and I applaud her for doing it like and, and I applaud her for standing on her feet standing tall and defending herself for doing it because she absolutely should she should be defended she should be supported like she she did it she did it and she put Iowa and Caitlin Clark back in their place like you doing all these gestures you ain't won nothing yet well guess who won it LSU so the last and final thing that came up was the whole Joe Biden piece. I'm not going to spend too much time on this because this is just this is just nonsense. But um, all week has been like <laughs> kind of the, the, the back, the backlash or the reactions, responses to this whole initial thing. But Joe Biden was at the game, the, the women's final. And after <laughs> after the game, she said she wanted to invite both LSU and Iowa to the White House. And. I can't, oh, I can't remember where I saw this, but somebody went back into, into the archives and found it like ever since the 1860s baseball championship, way before the World Series was a thing, like th- the winner was invited to the White House and never has a runner up 
been invited to the White House in like 150 years or whatever it is. And I was like, damn, somebody really dug <laughs> to, to make this point clear that nobody invites the loser to the White House. Um, and, and I think Andrew Reese and I think some of the other players made the point that like if LSU lost, I'm pretty sure they would not have been invited to the White House. It would have just been Caitlin Clark and the lovely Iowa Hawkeyes. So the fact that that was even uttered by Joe is just a huge, Joe Biden was, is just a huge snafu. I mean, it's not a surprise to me. I don't think the Bidens particularly care for black people. I think they use them for votes. They use us for votes. And that's about it. Kamala Harris was more of a showpiece than anything substantial. As a, I mean, the vice president doesn't do a whole lot anyway. So, um, but yeah, no. Nah. And, and then, so Jill apologized. They're like, mm, nah, we don't accept your apology. We'd rather go to go visit the Obamas anyway. Like, I, I love it. I'm just like, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I know some people who actually thought the, uh, the Bidens were going to do something for us. And, and they're like, well, what happened? I'm like, you expected something. Um, and so the fact that like, Joe Biden had this reaction shows you how strong whiteness is. Like, it doesn't matter if you want to say you're blue or red or whatever. Um, whiteness is still a very powerful drug. And, you know, I think Joe Biden, you know, I, I'm not sure if this, you know, I don't know if this will have any true political ramifications or anything like that, but I just think it, it it's a very telling picture of where we are as a country when even the, 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 the wife of the Democratic president of the country, you know, she said what she really meant. <laughs> she said what she meant. And she tried to apologize later. And, and, I don't, and, I, and I'm not mad at the LSU team for not accepting the apology because they also know that she said what she meant. And uh, so, no, I'm not accepting your apology. So anyway, that is the episode that I wanted to share today. I encourage everybody to really analyze their sports watching habits, their sports attendance habits and stuff like that. And if you don't already watch the women's games, like they, they are exciting. They're fun to watch. And fortunately, unfortunately they're, they're, they're cheaper to attend to. So like if, if you're looking for something to do with the family, take them to a game, take them to a game. I'm hoping it's not this cheap forever. Cause again, these women need to get paid. The whole reason Brittany Griner was even overseas in the first damn place is because she don't get paid enough here uh, and, and has to go elsewhere. And this is true for no, – she's not the only one. Women women all over the NBA, WNBA are playing elsewhere on the offseason to, to make to make money. Um, and that's that's just not okay. Like, we we need to be supporting our, our women athletes. Um, and, and, I, and I think the media needs to do a better job of, of equating the two sports as well. I mean, the WNBA needs to be on – like way more than it is during the summer. I mean, we got baseball. Not a lot of people like baseball. So put the WNBA out there. Like, I mean, it's got to be out there way more. Um, you know, force the issue. Like we got UFC out there. You've got like, I, I remember walking to, walking into a bar and I saw a rugby match. Like, you know, rugby is a great sport, but it's not necessarily United States in sport. So, you know, we, we should be, we should be, we could do a better job pushing, pushing women's sports. That includes, that includes collegiate softball, which I saw there was a, a game on today I, meant, I wanted to catch. That also includes women's soccer. Um, and I have been seeing a lot more with the women's national team coming up. We've got a World Cup coming up soon. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I think, I think we're getting there. But, yeah, as listeners, as myself included, like, let's, let's analyze and assess how we, how we engage with sports. If we're a sports type person, are we being equitable with that, with that attention? All right, y'all. Thanks for listening to this episode of Who Knows It's Just Life, the podcast. I'm your host, Kyle. I appreciate you listening. Before I close today, the song I'm song I'm rocking to today, I'm going to sneak in two songs that I'm rocking to today because I can and also because it's been a while since I've done that. I've had a couple of guests recently, so I haven't even had, I haven't even given you my own songs I'm rocking to. I think I've done it like maybe the first episode this year. That was it for the last, I don't know how many episodes. So the songs I'm rocking to today are um the first song is pme which sounds which stands for protect my energy by daniel danielle glisper um this song just hit my spirit she, she this she basically talk about like you know if it, um what she say it starts off with like 
um, keep your distance if you don't mean me well. It's just about like protecting her energy and all that. And I'm just like, yo, that is my theme song for the rest of this year, if not the rest of my life. <laughs> like, it's just a beautiful song. Her voice is amazing. Um, the production is on point. Um, so big ups to Danielle Glisper on that song. And then the second song, I, I, I put on some, like a dance hall, not a dance hall, I put on a Roots Reggae mix on Spotify. And, you know, a lot of good cuts on there, but one caught my ear. It's not even a new song. It's by Yanis Odua, who is a French reggae artist. And the song is called um, Rojoin Vert, I think. I don't speak a lick of French. I have no idea if I'm saying that right. It'll be in the show notes. Um, but that song is heavy, heavy, heavy as well. I put I put both of those albums actually on my on my 2023 playlist because because both those pieces and the and those albums are fire that that um Giannis Odua song um is actually from an album that came out 10 years ago so um here I am today just learning about this piece of work great songs both of them all right y'all if you'd like to reach me you can get at me on instagram at real adult that's r-e-a-l-d-a-d-u-l-t you can let me know what you think about this episode or any prior episodes also if you have any ideas for future episodes I'm happy to hear those as well I hope to catch you here next time. Until then, be safe, be well, peace.